Welcome to the Sports GPS. With your hosts, Parker White and CJ Holly. Welcome back to the Sports GPS Season 3, Episode 6. Parker, what are we getting into today, my man? We are talking NBA playoffs before taking a pit stop and talking the NFL draft. Mm -hmm. We're ending on Major League Baseball, specifically the best movies of all time on MLB.com's Bleacher Features bracket. Yeah, absolutely. There's a bracket challenge. Essentially, you can fill out the bracket. There are 16 top movies, according to MLB.com, that you can uh, pick your way through the bracket. Parker and I have vastly different brackets for a couple vastly different reasons uh but all that more on this episode of the sports gps let's get into it welcome back we're discussing the nba playoffs we already had the first round is done complete zip not a upsets zero upsets were had no Every single series was won by the uh, top seed. The top seed. So essentially, chalk remains, <laughs> and uh, you have one versus four in both, and two versus three in both. Parker, let's go ahead and start with the one-four matchup in the East: Sixers versus Heat. All right. So the Heat lead the series two-one as we speak. Miami defeated Philly in Game One, one hundred six ninety-two. In Game Two, Miami defeated Philly one nineteen one hundred three, and then Philly. Uh, Got into the series, defeated Miami 99-79. Yeah, and it's been, you know, a home court. Nobody's, uh, everybody's held serve, if you want to use the the tennis reference, right? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know, the big thing in this series has been Philly has been without Joel Embiid for the first two games. Yep. Uh, He comes back, that defensive presence. uh, He returned with a mask. He's a fractured (laughs) orbital boat. Yeah, orbital bone, and then he has like a messed up finger. Yeah, his thumb's been messed up, but that's been since um, the second game in in the Toronto series. Uh-huh. It's been messed up, so he's been playing with that for a little bit now. But it's it's been the orbital bone and the concussion that he suffered in Game Six, the Game Six win against Toronto. So, question, just real quick, with Embiid, he's mm-hmm. wearing the mask. Would you ever wear a mask if you were an NBA player? Yeah, I would. Like you're cool with it. Yeah, right? if I need to. Yeah, you, you're the fan, man. Oh, I mean. <laughs> True. Of the apple. And B definitely looks like it. Yeah, sure. I mean, if if the mask was white, it would just be, it's guaranteed. He'd be, okay, would he'd be it, like, sing to me! <laughs> would you have color, like black or white, or would you go clear? Uh, I would be Larry Bird. I'd be clear. Okay, cool. Larry's not white. Larry's clear. Larry's clear. Um, yeah, I mean, so really Miami just dominated Philly on the boards uh, for the first two games. And because of that, you know, it, it led to Miami just kind of waltzing away with a lot of games, winning by 14 in the first game, by 16 in the second game. Um, Bam Odebayu had phenomenal yeah, he's games been, he's been killing. in the first two. Tyler uh, Hero off the bench. It has been awesome. And, I mean, he won six man of the year this year so it yeah. makes sense well i get it i just he's been huge i know oladipo off the bench that's mm-hmm. huge that's right crazy and you know so it's not like you know there's that that, my, uh, that philly's out of it right because oh, yeah, now that is. they have Embiid back they showed their presence i mean Embiid had 
Uh, a phenomenal game. Even though he only scored 18, he had 11 boards. He had like four blocks. But his presence alone made made the difference. Huge, right? Not, not well, especially defensively. Mm-hmm. I know, like they were talking about. I was watching Sports Center last night after yep. the game. Mm-hmm. They were talking about how like when Embiid's on the floor, the Sixers have like arguably the best defense in the NBA when he's on the floor, right? Like plus minus. That well, kind and of it's thing. because you know they're you're not driving on Embiid, no. Unless he gets into foul trouble, which he rarely does. Right. Uh, so it, it makes it tough. But, I mean, the, the big scores on the night for the Sixers, I mean, it's a low-scoring game. I mean, yeah, you, yeah. you only had 178 points in the entire deal. Right. Uh, but Maxie had 21. Danny all Green in had, the second half. All oh. in the second half. Yeah. Uh, and then Danny Green had 21 all from distance. Yeah. Uh, he was 7-9 from uh, from three-point arc. And, you know, that was huge. Uh, Jimmy Butler had a massive game three, but it wasn't enough. He was the only Miami player in double digits besides uh, Tyler Hero. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it that that's going to make for a long night when you only have two two guys. One's coming off your bench in double digits. Yeah. Uh, but Jimmy Butler is still making waves in this series as he's had back-to-back 20-plus pointers uh, 22 yeah. in game two and 33 in game three. I'm curious to see if Joel Embiid, I assume he's going to play the rest of the series. He should. Is he going to stymie Bam out of bio? I think so. And because that's... If, they, if they can, if if the Sixers can take Bam out of the series, Philly's going to win this series. I, Do you think I it's going to so. go seven? I think it does go seven. I, I think nobody loses home court, right? So I think like yeah. the Sixers lose here. Game seven is the you know obviously the only chance where the Sixers have a chance right to uh, to take it because I think game five goes my game four is going to go Philly's way game five is going to go Miami's way game six in Philly Miami won't be able to call it out so they're going to have to do it at home in game seven is how I feel it's going to happen I'm worried I, I I mean Sixers are my squad but I'm worried because Embiid is literally playing with a messed up thumb and a broken face right. uh, that I don't think that they could win. Here's the other thing, though. James Harden needs to pick it up. He does. Uh, outside of his uh, good game two, I mean, he had, he had a good game two with 20 points and nine assists. He really didn't have a great game three, but he didn't need it, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think Harden just needs to, to get back to being James Harden again. Mm-hmm. And I think him with Embiid, Maxi, Maxi, all those pick and rolls that – you know, he loves to do the pick and rolls, pick and pops. I think those will be huge. And I think, like I said, I think the Sixers will hold hold serve in game four. Tobias has looked really good in the series as well. Absolutely. Like, not only scoring the basketball, but like rebounding. So he's crashing the boards. He's mm-hmm. doing more than just like. Well, and he had being... to in the first two games. Oh, absolutely. He fouled out in game three. Um, but at the same time, he, he played great. He led all scorers with 27 in game one. So he's, he's done what he has to do. I'm just worried that, you know. Obviously, it wasn't enough in Game 1 and Game 2. Hopefully, he can get back to that, and it will be the big four between Harden, Maxey, Embiid, and Harris. And then you just hope you get a little bit out of Danny Green slash Matisse Thibel. Right. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Let's go to the other 1-4 matchup, this time out west, the Suns versus the Mavs. Phoenix is currently leading the series 2-1 as they won the first two games, and then Dallas bounced back. Easily. Yeah, yeah. Like Chris Paul's looked great. Game two, I mean, he had a sick crossover. That was mm-hmm. awesome. And he dominated the fourth quarter in game two. Devin Booker's back, and we know how important he is. He can score the ball with better than anybody, really. Right. Luca's having his I mean, he's doing whatever he wants. Forty five points, thirty five points, and then I think he had like thirty or twenty six in game three. Right. But so, I mean he got the rest just, of the team involved. That's the reason why they won game three. Yeah, Jalen Brunson was great in game three, twenty eight points. The Suns had all five stars and double figures in Game 3, but no one had over 20. So it was kind of like, 
everyone was getting involved, but nobody like really took over like Devin Booker or Chris Paul. Right. Or DeAndre Ayton was really like he was taken out in game three. He didn't do much. So I mean, look, Dallas, I think they in game three they looked really good. Their defense was was very improved. Mm. Luca's doing his thing, but I mean he needs to be like not necessarily he needs to be better, but everyone else needs to be better. Yeah. Like Jalen Brunson, he picked up the slack definitely in game three, but they need more, whether it's Spencer Dimley off the bench or uh Finney Smith, like Reggie Bullock, like they need to do their thing from distance to really like make up, like pick up slack. Yeah, I, I think. Well, and again, we we've always known this. Uh, Phoenix is just a better all around team. Oh, they are. They're more I fundamentally mean, sound. They're they the do one the right seed for thing. a reason. Yeah, I mean, and they were the one seed by like eight games. It was disgusting. Yeah. Uh, we were worried with Devin Booker whether he was coming back or he not. Looks good. But the only nice thing is the NBA playoffs is stretched out. It's nice and bad. Like, I, I kind of want to get through it, but it takes <laughs> yeah, forever. It does. But at the same time, it also allowed Booker to come back and play in the series. So, uh, good for Phoenix. I think they close it out in six games. I feel like they win it in Dallas in game six. I don't know whether Dallas wins this game or the game in Phoenix, and, like, Phoenix comes up dead. Like, yeah. if Phoenix wins game four, right, I could very easily see them going home, trying to win it there, but coming up with, like, yeah, a I dud. Think, I think Dallas will they'll be mo- – obviously, they'll be motivated because if they lose, they yeah. go home. So, I, I could definitely – Is this a must-win game? Of course it's a <laughs> – no, it's not a must-win game. If you're in mathematics class, right. you know, until you're down, you know, three games, then it's a must-win. Right, right. We'd like to win, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, there was a. It, I think it was Brian Regan who did that skit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I think Dallas either wins Game Four or wins Game Five. I think this this series ends in six in Dallas. Phoenix uh, is my guess to advance there. Uh, let's go ahead to the two three matchups. Let's start with the one that had a crazy ending today. I know. Uh, Celtics Bucks Milwaukee is currently leading the series two one after their victory today. Parker, give us the rundown on all three games. So game one, Milwaukee defeated Boston 101-89. I mean, Giannis had a triple-double. Drew Holiday had 25 points. And, I mean, Tatum struggled. He had 21 points, but it was 6-18 shooting, so he wasn't that very good. Game mm-hmm. two, Boston defeated Milwaukee 109-86. At this point, it's like, oh, this is going to be a great series. Like, it's going to be back and forth, back and forth. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, they combined for 59 points. Uh, you know, Grant Williams was great off the bench, 21 points. Giannis, he did his thing, 28 points, 9 rebounds, 7 assists. And then today, Milwaukee beat, defeated Boston 103-101. Giannis had 42 points. Ho-hum. <laughs> I mean, really, like, when he has these numbers, you're just like, this is amazing. But it's like, oh, it's Giannis. It's yeah. Giannis, yeah. Yeah, so Jalen uh, Brown had a great game. 20. Your boy Al Horford, 22 points and 16 rebounds today. Yeah, but he can't get the ball off his hand. Yeah. Like, literally, I, I'm not going to sit there and say cost him the game because yeah. they came back from what? They were down like 14 at the end of the third yeah. quarter. And so they, I do. I do like. Okay. So like on like the last possess, uh, offensive possession for Boston, Marcus Smart had the ball and he's at the top of the key and he like kind of does like a little pump fake and like gets a foul and he's like, oh, I was shooting. I'm thinking, dude, you were not shooting the ball. Right. Okay. So he got two shots instead of three shots. They were down three. He made the first one. He missed the second one on purpose, and he did a great job. Like, you had to hit the rim. He did a great job. He came right back to him. He's tipping around. A couple other tips, and now Horford tipped it and went in, but the buzzer already went off. Yeah. So, and then you look at the replay, it's like not and even it was, close. It was, I mean, it well, I mean, it was it was close, but not close, right? Like, I mean, it was I mean, on his hand. Yeah, it's, it was on like his on hand. It was on the palm of his hand. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't even on his like fingertips. A, yeah, yeah, like... It, it wasn't it wasn't close in that regard, but like when it yeah, happened in real mean. time, oh, you yeah, were like, "Oh my god, they yeah, tied it!" You, you had to you had to hold your breath there for a hot second because like in real time it was like, 
I don't know. But then when you saw the replay, it was it was obvious. Can, can you imagine what our friend Zach Baker was doing when he saw that? Oh, I don't know. He probably lost his mind. Yeah, I mean, dude, man, at JMU probably. Oh, I'm not going to say something off color there. All right. Uh, so really, what do we think for the outcome of this series? Does this thing go seven? Mm, I mean, I'd pick Milwaukee, so I think it goes six. But okay. I could see – I mean, the way Boston's played, not only in the second half of the season, but the way they played today, you're thinking it could go seven, but I, I do think Milwaukee is the better team. You're thinking Milwaukee and seven. I'm going to take – I'm going to say six. I'm going to take Boston and seven. I Ooh. think uh, I think this is just a, a little blip on the radar. I mean, like, if you look at the difference in game one to game two, Boston just absolutely obliterated Milwaukee in game two. And the first game was tight, and then Milwaukee kind of pulled away at the end, right? Like, the fourth quarter was was bad for, for Boston. Right. And then this game, you know, it could have gone the same way, right? And Boston didn't quit, and they came back and almost made it. I think that's actually more of a proving point for Boston, mm-hmm. uh, even though, I mean, they were playing great down the stretch. I think Boston wins this in seven, but it's going to be a tight game. I could see this going either way, but this thing's going seven. It's not a doubt in my mind. All right. uh, Grizz Warriors, currently that game is going on. Game three is going on tonight, but uh, right now, as we're speaking, the series, series is tied. tied 1-1. Golden State won the first one in a nail-biter, 117-116. to 116. Yeah. And then Memphis defeated Golden State, 106-101. to Parker, give us the rundown on both games. All right, so game one, Draymond, shocker. He got ejected. <laughs> uh, but Curry had 24 points. Uh, Jordan pull off the bench had 31 points. He's been great off the bench. It's weird because he was starting for a long time there. Absolutely. Clay hit the go had three or 36 seconds left. And then in game two, Dylan Brooks. Of course, we're like three minutes into the game. Dylan Brooks gets ejected. Dirty play on Gary Payton the second. He broke his left elbow. I know some people are like, oh, it was just a hard play. I think it was kind of dirty. Right. And I mean, I, Dylan Brooks is a great player, but like, I'm not really surprised it came from him. Right. And then, uh, I mean, Curry led the Warriors with 27 points. Poole had 20 off the bench. But John Morant, man, he was awesome. He willed his team without Dylan Brooks, who got ejected three minutes, and he had 47 points, eight rebounds, and assists. John Morant is a freak. Yeah, he's absolutely a a monster stud. Whatever description you want to give to John Morant, that's what he is. Whatever positive adjective you want to use, (laughs) it's John Morant. Yeah, exactly. Uh, You know, and and this is another one that I'm like, wow, this this 2-3, both these 2-3 matchups are are compelling and interesting in their own different ways. Yeah. Uh, the Bucks kind of do it with brute strength, where the Celtics a little bit more of a finesse game. Both the Grizz and the Warriors are finesse finesse teams. Yeah. They, like, you don't have that big bruiser on either squad. I mean, you could say Draymond for the Jonas Warriors Jonas Valanciunas for Memphis? I, <laughs> stop it. Uh, but, yeah, it's the same. The, he's the same principle as Draymond Green, right? Like... You know what I mean? Like a, a little bit smaller, a little bit more crafty yeah. uh, from that five position. Uh, so it really... You think it's stuff, going seven? I think it goes seven. Yeah. And and I don't know who I want to pick. I'm going to pick the Warriors just yeah, because. Pedigree. But, I, dude, the Memphis, Memphis Grizzlies could very easily, very, very easily upset this. Okay. As we're recording right now, it's at halftime between these two teams. Mm-hmm. The Golden State is up 64-57. So it's a close one. It's a closer one. But John Morant, yeah. shocker, is 17 first half points. Yeah. And Steph Curry has 13. Andrew Wiggins is going off. He has 15. So he's doing his thing. All right. Well, if, uh, you know, everything goes your way, we're both saying the Heat are winning. Uh, we're both saying the uh, Suns are winning. 
Uh, you have the Bucks, and I have the Celtics. And are you picking Grizz? Or are you picking Warriors? Hmm. I think I'm gonna go Warriors just because they've been there and they have you know the the pedigree. And okay. I like Steph Curry, so I'm gonna go Warriors. But I do think it's gonna go seven. Okay. So the only difference we have is Celtics Bucks. All right. Well, when we return, we're going to get into the NFL draft. Who took who? Grading system. A little yeah. interesting. A little interesting. But uh, we'll go ahead and hit that when we return. Welcome back to Sports GPS. We were talking about the 2022 NFL Draft, recapping it, going through it, who who did well, who, you know, questionable picks. CJ, start us off. All right, so we're going to go down the entire round one. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars take Tavron Walker, the defensive end slash tackle out of Georgia. Um, I think he – well, sorry, he will be a D-end, right? right. I, I think Jacksonville ends up uh, playing uh, a 3-4 scheme, and Walker is a perfect D-end for a 3-4 scheme, and so that's why they take him over Aiden Hutchinson, who Detroit instantly, I mean, it took him 10 seconds yeah. to, uh, <laughs> yeah. to, to to submit the card when, when Walker was the first pick, uh, much to the chagrin of the NFL, uh, who <laughs> wants drama, who wants build-up, who drama. wants, you know, things, yeah. and it was like instant, like, no, we're picking Hutchinson. Uh, between these two players, I mean, it could have been pick your poison, I think, Hutchinson's definitely a better yeah. better suited for a 4-3 defense. And uh, Walker could play in either a 3-4 or a 4-3. So I think that's the reason why Jacksonville, because they don't know what type of defense they're playing. I think they end up with a 3-4. I think they went Walker there just because you're a little bit more versatile. Hutchinson would be lost as a D-end in a 3-4 scheme because he's too small, in my opinion. Uh-huh. And I also don't think he can stand up and play outside linebacker. So no, hence, I don't think so. Hence the reason why uh, Jacksonville didn't take him there. Either way, you weren't going wrong with either of these players. Right. Uh, but I think Jacksonville went with the most, the more versatile player as far as the defense. I concerned. do think Aiden Hutchinson is a perfect fit for Detroit. Oh, yeah. Like, I, like, they, like no, <laughs> it took him less than 10 seconds because they knew this guy is generational talent well he's yeah gonna be great and he's like i mean he lives right there yeah i mean it's it just it's perfect from the detroit area went to the university of michigan yeah very similar pick to the kenny pickett pick had to but we'll, we'll we'll get into that here in a second uh the surprise was Derek stingley jr the cornerback out of lsu going ahead of ahmaud gardner uh but they yeah, both went bit. three four uh sauce gardner uh, out of Cincinnati is probably one of the best cornerback prospects is the fact that he never gave up a touchdown in college play. Uh, you know, just really, really surprising that Stingley Jr. went to the Texans, but I think he's going to be a great player uh, as time progresses anyway. Uh, the surprise here at number five, uh, especially if you were listening to myself and uh, OG Big Joe on <laughs> ColorCast Draft Night, thanks for anybody that tuned in. Uh, we'll be doing that more often, doing some more color cast and things like that. So definitely check us out there. Uh, hopefully Parker will be able to join in more. Yeah. Uh, work. You know, work, right? Anyway, so Joe, thanks again for uh, subbing in there, and we appreciate your insight. Uh, the Thibodeau, Thibodeau, the defensive end out of Oregon, goes to the Giants here. Everybody thought it was going to be a, a lineman here, whether they liked one uh, specifically, but I think what the Giants went here was we like uh, three of ta- uh, three of the tackles, right? They liked three of them probably 
Uh, obviously, you like one more than another, but they could have lived with three of them as the Giants had five and they had seven. They had both of those picks, and they said, we can get Thibodeau now. And they got Evan Neal. And, yeah, and they end up with Neal at seven, but if we lose out, like, let's say, um, you know, Akeem Ikuanu is the tackle that went next to the Panthers at six. Let's say they had Ikuanu a little bit higher than Neal. Yeah. They sat there and said, well, we can we can take Thibodeau now and – if we lose out on Aquano, we could still get Neil. Right. But we won't end up with a Thibodeau. Let's say someone wants to jump us and go get Thibodeau at six. Yeah. They were worried about that more than losing Aquanu over Neil. And and again, I don't know who they liked better on their board, to be clear. Right. But as I said on Colorcast Live, when it happened, Joe was nuts. Uh, <laughs> Joe Joe wanted Charles Cross. He thought he was the, the, the best tackle prospect in this draft. He thought they would go he would go to the Giants and he thought Giants would have picked them at five. Uh, but when they went Thibodeau, he was shocked. And I said the only reason why they do that is because they like two tackles almost equally and they like Thibodeau better. So yeah. that's the reason why they go Thibodeau, the defensive end out of Oregon. And then, of course, I gave you the next two picks. Aquanu goes to the Panthers, and then the Giants then take Evan Neal, the offensive tackle out of Alabama. The surprise pick, Atlanta, goes with Drake London, the wide receiver out of USC. A lot of people are saying this is a reach. Yeah, I think a little bit, yeah. They're, they're saying he's he wasn't the best wide receiver prospect in this draft. I agree. And he was the first wide receiver picked. Yeah. Uh, right in front of uh, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jamison Williams. Uh, it, they all went 10 through 12 in that order as the Lions jumped up uh, and traded with their in-division rival, the Minnesota Vikings, uh, to take Jamison Williams uh, because they they wanted that speed, that pure um, yeah wide receiver to see hey let's see is uh is golf the answer this year or are we drafting a player next year they gave up a little capital to do it however it was the right move as they gave up 32 34 and their their third round pick to minnesota in that deal to get williams uh and then the eagles in a surprise pick here they jump from 15 to 13 to jump over the Ravens to take Jordan Davis, the defensive tackle out of Georgia, oh, will, pro- will probably be the best player in this draft. You think so? I he's a monster, a, a physical specimen. Runs a four seven eight forty at three hundred and forty one pounds. Yeah, it's crazy. The man is an absolute monster. He will be the heir apparent to Fletcher Cox as Fletcher Cox is playing on a one-year deal this year. Yeah. And he's going to be an absolute stud. He will be in the rotation with Hargrave as the aforementioned Cox and Milton Williams. All four of these guys are going to be absolute home run wreckers in the center slash guard box, the A gaps and the B gaps on these on these offensive lines they're gonna they're gonna wreak havoc it's gonna be great jordan davis uh probably won't this year because he's in that rotation with those other guys he will prove out to be the best player in this draft don't at me i really believe he is going to be the best player in this draft all right uh then uh the ravens because they lost their true nose tackle that they could have gotten in jordan davis Mm -hmm. uh they take kyle hamilton the safety out of notre dame who falls early in the draft process there were a lot of teams saying hey kyle hamilton is a top 10 top five pick top five talent 
heck, I even probably could have seen him going in the top 10, top five myself. Yeah, me Falls too. to 14, huge steal for the Ravens. Leads to actually a little precursor here, their second best uh, draft grade. Uh, <laughs> but we're not getting into there. Uh, the Texans, as they move back, get the guard uh, Keon Green out of Texas A&M. And then the Commanders uh, take... Juwan Dotson, they trade up with New Orleans at 16 uh, to take the wide receiver out of Penn State. Another reach by a lot of analysts out there for Washington, but I believe they wanted to get a slotty, shifty guy in that offense for Carson Wentz to throw to this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, 17, the Chargers go with the guard out of Boston, Scotland, uh, Boston College, Zion Johnson. And then in another move, Philadelphia was at 18. They trade... For A.J. Brown, they give up their third-round pick and 18 to get A.J. Brown, and the Titans take Traylon Burks, essentially a player comp to A.J. Brown, so they (laughs) go younger. And cheaper. And cheaper, and the Eagles go, I have a proven commodity. Right. Um, And in a lot of – in a lot of – you know, grades, draft grades out there. Uh, they're saying the Eagles did not have a great draft, and I think it's because they do not count A.J. Brown as part of this draft. I do. I, you have to, and if you count him as part of this draft, the Eagles get an A- minus at worst uh, by myself, but again, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Uh, the Saints then uh, get the offensive tackle out of Northern Iowa, Trevor Penning, and then the big shock, the only quarterback taken in the first two rounds, yeah. let alone the first round, the first two rounds, Kenny Pickett, quarterback out of Pittsburgh, will stay in the Southwest PA area and play pro football for the Pittsburgh Steelers there, staying in the big ketchup bottle as he played his college football right. there as well. Question, do you think Kenny Pickett will start week one, or do you think it's Trubisky? Or I guess my better question is, do you think it should be Trubisky week one and like through the season and have Pickett clear, carry clipboard, mm-hmm. or do you think it should be a real battle in camp and see who wins? There and, should, and should Kenny Pickett be week one? So there should absolutely be a battle in camp, right? Like you, you, you yeah. always want to make – Competition brings out the best, right? The cream always rises to the top in that situation. Correct. I think Kenny Pickett should hold a clipboard this year. And there's multiple reasons why. You have Mitchell Trubisky on a two-year, $14 million deal, right? So you're paying him $7 million. You you really don't like to pay back up $7 million. No, I mean, You you can. I mean, the Eagles did it with Chase Daniel. (laughs) I was going to say, Chase Daniel, he got a lot of them deals. I mean, he got plenty of them. He made real good money as a backup quarterback in the NFL. (laughs) Right. I uh, I think Mitchell Trubisky should start you know, this year. And if he's great, that just means his stock's up yeah. and you can trade him to a team who misses out on one of the quarterbacks in next year's draft because mm-hmm. there's about seven of them. Yeah. And there's always more than seven teams that need a quarterback. Mm-hmm. So you can trade Trubisky for like a second, third round pick, what I thought the Eagles were going to do with Gardner Minshew this year. <laughs> uh, and and then you, you know, you're like, okay. And then we have Kenny Pickett. I the thing with Pickett is he's not pro ready yet I in my head. I agree. Because he can only read half the field. Uh all of his all of his time in at Pitt, and and this is just what happens with ACC quarterbacks. Uh they can only read half the field. They make mm-hmm. two quick reads and then go to their fail safe. Yeah. And you can't do that in the pros. No, you can't. They will take it away from you. Uh once they realize what, what you're doing, and they'll they will take that away from you, and as soon as they do it, then you're stuck. Now, granted, Pickett, mobile, I mean, solid quarterback, but yeah. he should hold a clipboard this year. Unless Trubisky is 
God awful <laughs> in the first eight games. In which case you're cutting bait, right? Like in you're you're just gonna be like, all right, whatever, I'll I'll pay you the eight million I have guaranteed on your contract. And we're going to cut bait and pick us the answer, which is fine. Well, you're still going to keep Mitchell Trubisky as your backup. Let's not let yeah. ourselves. Yeah. But Pickett then would would step in. He shouldn't. He should not start week one. However, you have to make it an open competition because that brings the best out of Mitchell Trubisky. Totally agree. Uh, then it went uh, Trent McDuffie, the <laughs> uh, corner out of Washington, uh, followed by the linebacker uh, Quay Walker out of Georgia. Uh, Kair Elam, who I thought might slip out of the first round here, the corner out of Florida, goes to the Bills as they trade up uh, to 23 after Arizona gave up their pick to get Hollywood Brown from Baltimore. Good pick. Good uh, trade for them. Great trade for them. They they get you know a bunch of picks, a bunch of assets for a wide receiver they wouldn't have been able to re-sign. Yep. Uh, Tyler Smith, the tackle out of Tulsa, goes to Dallas, so they get better on their offensive line. The Ravens at 25 after the trade-up get Tyler Lindenbaum, the center out of Iowa, a phenomenal center. The only problem is with Baltimore and the way they like to run the ball, they don't really use zone run scheme. They're more no. of a cap, a yeah. gap in power. And so uh, Linderbaum is going to have to add weight uh, because he's a little bit undersized as a center. He's very Jason Kelsey comp. That's yeah. the reason why I was like, all right, let's go Eagles, <laughs> get right. Linderbaum. Uh, but, you know, it's fine. It's good. The Ravens did the right thing. Uh, by taking the player with the proven commodity and the, and the proven smarts and, and great with Tyler Linderbaum. I think he'll be great in Baltimore. He's just got to add a little bit of weight. Uh, the Jets jump back into the first round with Tennessee in a trade to get Jermaine Johnson, the D-end out of Florida State. Everybody had him as probably the big riser, going to be in the top 10, and he falls to 26. Yeah. The Jets with a great find there, picking him up. The Jaguars jump back into the first round and get Devin Lloyd, the linebacker out of Utah. Uh, many had him as a top 20 pick. He falls to 27. Uh, Devontae Wyatt, the defensive tackle, the other defensive tackle out of Georgia, goes to the Packers here, much to the chagrin of Aaron Rodgers, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, Cole Strange, the guard. That, out of- that is such a question. Mark. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my. Like, they traded up, right? Right. Like, to get some. I'm gonna say some nobody. He might. He, you know, it's the Patriots. He's probably gonna turn out well. But right. like, who is like who's Cole is, Strange? This is one of those who yeah. moments. Yeah. Like really, Cole Strange, uh, the guard out of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Chattanooga. Come on. Yeah. Not what a great are we pick. doing? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, George. Uh, I know Bleacher Report gave the Patriots an F. Yeah, and they should. And we're gonna go over all those <laughs> grades here in a second. Uh, George Car. Uh, Carl Philatis, the defensive end out of Purdue, who everybody had picking in the top 10, uh, it falls to 30 at Kansas City <laughs> here. Uh, the Bengals take Daxton Hill, the safety out of Michigan. He could probably play slot corner for them as well, uh, which is probably the position of need most for Cincinnati yeah. there. And then Minnesota with the last pick in the first round get Lewis Seen the safety out of Georgia. This was the first time in the modern draft that they had seven defensive players from one team go within the first round. That's impressive. And it was really impressive. Uh, so you had Walker from Georgia as their first. That's followed by Jordan Davis, followed by uh, Walker again, followed by uh, Wyatt, and followed by Seen. So sorry, not seven, but five. Seven went in the first two rounds as uh, we had two others go in. Now let's go ahead and just go ahead over the entire draft here. Uh, there's 
18 people that are the biggest, you know, evaluators of the draft. Right. Um, and they did instant evaluations compiled, um, you know, for each one of these sites, Bleacher Part, uh, Bleacher Report being one of them, um, Barstool Sports being another, um, Sporting News, the Draft Wire, so on and so forth, Pro Football Focus staff, yeah. um, so on and so forth, NFL.com. Uh, so all these guys uh, did their instant draft reactions, and they um, a, a gentleman on Twitter, I think Renee Bergner, um, you know <laughs> what's that name? I, I, I am not. It's it, it's a Renee with a chicka over the second e. Uh-huh. Um, he compiled all these together and came up with a GPA for everyone, and uh, you know ranked out ranked out the draft grades. Right. So let's go ahead and go over like the top. So you know. Your solid, your college GPA system, right? So a A plus would be a four point three three, and an A minus would be a three point six seven, and so on and so forth. Here, uh, the GPA is the two highest team with GPAs this year: the Jets and the Ravens. Uh, the Jets. Uh, the reason why they get the number one slot is their worst grade was an A minus by anybody here. I yeah. mean, they had a phenomenal draft. They did. They made did. aggressive moves when they needed to. Got the best corner on the board, which was a position of need for them. Defensive end upgraded the defense for Robert Sala. Uh, that's what you needed to do. And then later on in the draft, they grabbed you know some sneaky offensive line protection uh, for Zach Wilson, which was huge. Uh, they end up with a GPA of 4.08 over an A, as they had plenty of A minus uh, A pluses, a lot of A's out there as well. Uh, the Ravens get the second spot with the same GPA, but because they had the B, they get the second slot as uh, DK Nation gave them a B for their draft. Uh, phenomenal draft by the Ravens. Again, they used talent that they weren't going to be able to re-sign instead of just waiting on compensatory picks, which are, you know, third, fourth right. round picks. Yeah. They sat there and said, let's go get someone right now who's going to be a proven commodity for us. And so they trade Hollywood Brown for essentially a pick and uh, Tyler Lindenbaum. Phenomenal draft by the Ravens. Uh, two went to the – or sorry, three went to the Eagles, and I guarantee you everybody – in here, minus the Bs and the B pluses that the Eagles got as great, had AJ Brown as a, a you know part of this draft, uh, and the reason why they got such great grades is they had a three point seven seven. Uh, we're just gonna run down the rest of them: the Chiefs, Lions, Giants, Titans, Seahawks, Falcons, and Steelers round up the top ten. Your Colts finished twelfth. I as, loved our I love their draft. Yeah, I mean they just they, had they, like not. First of all, we didn't have a first round pick. Secondly, mm-hmm. we moved back in the second round, added more picks, and they got every guy they wanted. Right. Alec Pierce, the wide receiver of Cincinnati, he was a borderline first round pick. Right, borderline first round pick. I think he's going to be an instant like force in the in our wide receiving course. And Reggie Wayne's now our wide receivers coach, which is great. And that was the guy that he wanted. And they got tight end Jelani Woods out of UVA. Dude, man is six seven, like two sixty, and he can catch the football. He's a willing blocking tight end. Mm-hmm. Then they got their left. Their, I think he's going to be our starting left tackle. Like Bernard, I think it's Raymond. I think. He, um, I know he's from Austria. I'm trying to remember what school he went to. Right. But he they they loved him. And then they got some other like guys. Like they got another tight end, Ogletree. They got a right. kid out of Yale who they're really high on. Mm-hmm. Like so, like they were just like they got every guy that they wanted. And they didn't have a first round pick, and they didn't have to really reach, which was nice. And 
I love the offseason they had. I mean, Matt Ryan and Stephon Gilmore uh, and Gakwe, like on the D line. Like, the Colts are going to be something to, like, they're going to be something real next year. For right. Sure. No, and, and here's, you know, the other. The other team that uh, in this in this ranking they have them as twentieth, but I think that's because some yoker gave them a D minus <laughs> and some other yoker gave them an F. But it's the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, yeah. they they traded back twice, right? Uh, and you know, got Lewis Seen, a, a phenomenal safety out of Georgia who could play you know nickel corner as well. And then of course they trade back again uh in the second round pick up additional picks and get the corner that they wanted from day one who everybody thought they were going to go with and andrew booth jr the corner out of clemson they get him at 42 instead of possibly getting him at 12 so they you know pick up picks from division rivals both times yeah and they get the players they want in that regard i mean just phenomenal draft uh, by the Vikings, well done. I don't think they deserve twentieth, which is the compilation, you know, the the, right. the full compiling at a two point seven nine GPA. What Yoker gave them a D minus and an yeah. F. I have no idea. There's only like six Fs on this entire sheet, and they got one of them. There's only four more Ds on this entire sheet, and they got one of them. I don't believe either one of them should have gone that way. No, C plus draft at worst for the Vikings. Well done. Uh, you know, just they. They did everything they needed to. Maybe it's their evaluation, you know, these right. individual people's evaluation yeah. on these players. That's why I just love the whole process of, like, grading out a draft. I mean, we're not going to know how good a, a, a team's draft is for, like, this year until, like, four or five years from now. Right. And so it's kind of funny. It's like, oh, yep, that guy can't. Like, I'm I'm making fun of the Patriots for picking Cole Strange. He might be a good guard in right. the NFL. I don't think he will be. Right. But I don't know. And, and – it, if it works with your system and it's a guy that you like and you like properly vetted and worked out right. and you think he fits you, that's that's the whole point. Right. That's the whole point. Well, I mean the one the one team that we know, you know, is <laughs> is it didn't do well. Uh you look at thirty two, the New England Patriots, their GPA according to this spreadsheet is one point six one. Yeah, it can't be that wrong. It, like it's so bad. One point six one. The next best the next worst team was the Rams, and it was because the Rams had no draft picks because they have no capital anymore because they traded it all away. Oh, and guess what? They won the Super Bowl. Yeah, and again, they have no capital because they traded it all away. Right. Uh, 2.16 is the next year. So we're looking at almost over a .5 GPA drop between the Patriots. Uh, like I said, there's only a handful of Ds that were graded <laughs> out and a handful of Fs. A lot uh, of them went to New yeah, England. Yeah, <laughs> New England got one, two Ds, one D plus, two D minuses, and an F, and they have nothing over a B minus on their entire scoreboard. It was awful. One of them was given out to some uh, by someone who had like given out a three point two nine GPA over the entire uh-huh. course of the thing. Like they didn't even give anybody worse than a C, and you know they got a B minus. Uh, you know, going yeah. to New England that way. So like that just proves to you how bad New England is. Uh, <laughs> as far as drafting right now, and I mean, honestly, Bill Belichick is not good at. And the weird thing is, like, he's not good in the draft. No, he's not. He's not. He like, hasn't been for a while. Right. Like, there's a. I mean, and that, and this all goes back to the whole thing of yeah, you can be the head coach, but you should not be the direct like the GM or director of player yep. personnel because you don't have the time and you got to have some separation of church and state. And right now, New England. I, I agree with you. I agree. Uh, with so, you. like they said, the bottom. Bottom third here, New England, then the Rams, Dolphins, Bears, 
49ers, Cardinals, Commanders, Saints, and Cowboys are the bottom uh, eight or so here. I mean, the Cowboys, though, I mean, really not a terrible draft. They just had two D minuses according to some scorecards, and I think that's just from some people that don't like the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Uh, you like, like the Dallas Cowboys? And I, I don't, I don't, I can't stand them, but I don't think they had that bad of a draft. I know, I'm just messing. Uh, so yeah, it just proves that you know there was a lot of decent drafts out there, but I mean the cream of the crop, the Jets, the Ravens, the Eagles, the Chiefs. I think the Giants had, had a really good draft. Phenomenal. At least their first round was. really Yeah, good. I mean they're uh, the Giants. I mean really, their their GPA across the board is what a three point four seven. I mean I graduated yeah. college with a little bit better than that. Nice. So I mean. I graduated college with the Lions GPA, 3.55. So, I mean, <laughs> there you go. hey, you know what? I'll take it. Uh, but the Lions showing some aggression and getting getting Jameson Williams was a phenomenal play there. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the NFL draft coverage. We're going to get into more off-season picks here in the next couple of months as we had rookie mini camps yeah. that happened uh, this past week and next week. They will continue for some teams. Uh, some exciting stuff going on in the NFL. I'm going to have T-Phrase on to give you your uh, off-season picks as far as the NFL, but that'll happen probably late July, early August. Uh, but, you know, until then, look forward to it. Catch us on ColorCast for all your NFL games. This upcoming season yeah. is going to be fun. But when we return, we're getting into our MLB talk, the Bleach of Features, yeah. when we return. Welcome back to the Sports GPS. We're talking Major League Baseball, and we're going to get into MLB Bleacher Features, the bracket that MLB.com has put out. You guys should definitely fill one out and let us know what you who you picked, mm-hmm. who's your winner. Yeah, we'll go over ours real quick. But we're going to start off with the big news in Major League Baseball, just kind of going through the, the league. Your Phillies, they're struggling, and they just had an awful loss. Yeah, awful Mets. loss. Uh, it's terrible. Uh, they were the first team in the last – Decade and a half uh, to lose a six-run lead in the ninth. Yeah. Uh, the Mets were 0-330. Yeah, something like that. And uh, teams in the last four years were 0-654, yeah. um, losing by six or more going into the ninth. Do you think this is the kind of game that either breaks the Phillies season, and do you think this means like like the Mets are almost like a team of destiny kind of thing? I like when you like and and we're I know we're you're a Phillies fan, I'm a Braves fan. We both hate the Mets. They're yep. in our division, but we're trying to be impartial here, right? Do you think the Met like when you watch the Mets? Like there's something different. Yeah, I, I think Buck Showalter is a huge reason why. I, I think he is the reason, and. Like, like the guys they got, like, yes, you paid a boatload for Max Scherzer, mm-hmm. but you also got guys like Mark Canna, Eduardo Escobar, Starling Marte. Like, they just fit. Yeah. But Pete Alonso, Francisco Lindor is finally looking like the player that they got from Cleveland. Right. So, like, unfortunately, and I hate to say it, and we always make fun of the Mets, like, oh, Mets are going to Met. Like, yep. And look, I will say last year they led the division most of the year, and then yep. they just fell and off a cliff. And they fell off a cliff, right. So, they but they pulled a Wiley Coyote. But they don't have Jacob DeGrom, and they're doing this. Yeah. I, like, Chris Bass has been great. Ty, Tyler O'Neill, I mean, McGill. Like, yeah, I, it's, not Ty, it's not Tyler, it's Tyler. I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, Tyler McGill, and yeah. he... He and three, Carrasco. four other pitchers combined for a, a no hitter against the Phillies. Right. Uh, I think the Phillies are playing the Mets at the worst time. 
Oh, I agree with that. I think and the Mets are phenomenal right now. I think eventually, you know, there are three yeah. things that are certain in life, death, taxes, and the Mets collapsing. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I don't know if it happens this year. I don't either. But the Mets are phenomenal right now. They're playing great ball. And like they believe in each other. Uh, Lindor's oh, yeah. two run homer I thought would end it in that like I thought that was just gonna be like, okay that's the end of the rally right uh, for the Mets because uh, they they usually are rally killers well yeah night. when you're usually, down yeah when you're like, down multi- a bunch like a crooked number like that yeah like oh you hit a homer yeah that's that's, that's bad that's over yeah you you need to keep the turnings uh, the the worst part about it was Corey Knebel tried to make a play. On a ball up the middle with runners on first and second with yep. one out. Very ch- good chance it was a double play. It was 100% a double play. It's not even not even out my mind. Segura was shaded that way up the middle. All you had to do was just catch the ball, tag second, and then throw it to first. It's over. Right. And, you know, I, I know instincts take over as a pitcher. Trust yeah. me, I, I'm there. I've been there. I've yeah. done it. Uh-huh. But, like, there are times when you just got to be like, dude, I'm up by, like, four. If this thing sneaks into center field, I don't oh, care. Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, but – Let's let's go ahead and get somebody with a more sure hand to to feel the ball. I it was a terrible game. The Phillies and the Mets have been postponed the last two games, so at least I haven't had to watch terrible <laughs> yeah. baseball for the last two. Um, but it's just been bad. And the the main problem is, and we're 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 gonna get into this in a second. Uh, I, there is a problem with the baseball right now. Oh yeah, the ball's not going anywhere. I mean, the Mets are doing this, and they have like the third worst hard hit percentage yeah. in, in all of the majors. And I think the reason why that's a problem, like that is legitimately a problem, yeah. is because of the fact that the baseball isn't right. I mean, Reese Hoskins hit a ball oh, yeah, with like 40 degrees of launch angle, 105 miles an hour off the bat, and the thing was like a routine fly to center. Yeah. I mean, that Negra, I mean, one step onto the warning track, right? Yeah. But like, any other year, you take those stats and put them out there and go, here you go, and that's a homer. Yeah. Like, and, and the ball's not flying. It's the hum- uh, the humidors that they put in yeah. all 30 stadiums. Yeah. Because it, there was an article. I can't even remember who wrote the article. But I literally looked at the – you look at the numbers and you go, okay, the, the difference between the baseballs this year and last year and how far they're traveling – versus humidor and non-humidor parks. So there was yeah. 10 parks that had humidors last year. Yeah, like Colorado. Colorado Tampa. has had it for a long time. I can't remember the other the other nine I off think, the top of my head. I think Arizona, Tampa Bay, I think they had yeah. them too. Yeah, a couple, a couple of places, right? Had them last year. The difference in flight between um, last year and this year within the ballparks, you know, with humidors that had them last year and obviously still have them this year because all 30 have them this year, yeah. is like two feet. Right. Yeah. Okay. Statistically, not not needed. Right. Like irrelevant statistically. If you look at the uh, twenty ballparks that didn't have humidors last year, they're down like eighteen feet. Yeah. That is statistically significant. Yeah. Like massively significant. Like the difference between a home run and an out. And uh-huh. you know, you look at the Mets who aren't hitting the ball hard on average. They're getting little dinkers, little bloops. Oh, when the Braves things. played the Mets, there were so many times I'm watching the game, I'm like, that's a great pitch. That should be an out. And yeah. It was like a blooper. Yeah, a little bloop. They're, the they're making center. contact. Like, and that's something that I'm sure I mean, Buckshaw Walter is is preaching to his team. I mean, that's a good that's a good quality to have as an offense. Mm-hmm. And, look, I, I wonder, of course, the funny thing is I saw Mad Dog Russo one time. He was talking about the ball, right? right? And he's like, 
I don't understand how every year Major League Baseball, one of the problems they have is equipment. Why are we having a problem with the baseball equipment? Why is that a problem? So yeah. he just went on. I'm like, you're right. Every year the ball is a topic of discussion. It's a topic of discussion. Why? Yeah, and I don't understand it. But it, there's. I'm hoping next year, like, and I'm not. I'm not saying this is the reason why or why not. But like, you're gonna have the pitch, pitch clock next year. The shift's gonna be banned. And I, I definitely think, look, it's harder to hit a, a ball nowadays with guys throwing like 98 and mm-hmm. like just nasty sliders and yeah. those kinds of things. And next year, I'm not saying you won't see it at all because guys are just that talented. Right. But like one of the, if you have a pitch clock, you don't have the chance to just kind of recharge. Yep. Right. You throw 98, guess what the next one with the pitch clock, it's probably going to be like 92. And and guys can hit hit that yeah. like with consistency. So, but yeah, the problem, like the fact that the ball is, we'll just use the, right. it's dead. Yeah, right? it's dead. Like, like they change it every, that's a problem. Just figure out how you want the ball and it is what it is. Yeah. And again, I mean, there's, there's other factors that are going into, yeah. I'm not going to sit there and say that, that Tom Brady's Weather. involved with this deflating of baseballs. Um, we already know he does it with footballs, but that's beside the <laughs> point. Um, what I'm saying is that. You're looking at as a total, as a total hit, the average exit velocity right now is up this year compared to last with a very, very similar launch angle. Like statistically insignificant difference in launch angle for for everything as far as it's gone. And the ball is going six feet shorter. Yeah. And I'm sorry that's a problem because six feet shorter isn't out compared to a homer. Yeah. We're talking the ball last year. On on hard hit rate, barreled balls uh, was flying an average of 400 feet. Now it's flying an average of 394. I'm telling yeah. you right now. There's a difference those in are a homer and out. Right. Yeah. I mean, Castellanos in a nothing-nothing game mm-hmm. uh, versus versus these Mets, right? Like, you know, two weeks ago. Or the, or actually, it was against the Rangers. I mean, he literally oh, yeah, it hit was. it. Three inches short. It was called a homer, but then it was overruled because fan reached over the fence. Yeah. And we're talking, I mean, like barely reached over the fence and touched it. So the difference is literally inches, and and that's a difference in a ball game. And for a team like the Phillies that are constructed to win with offense and power and things of that nature, right? if the ball's not flying, that's a detriment to them as compared to the Mets who are built to win on pitching. Yeah. And they're they're built to win on pitching and, and win these three two games, these one nothing games, these five four games. Like if you put up a bunch of runs on the Mets, they're in trouble. And it was almost trouble for them on Thursday. But, you know, they got lucky with a couple hits and a couple breaks went their way. That's when you hope that they kick back the other way in some cases, especially for my Phillies, but I mean clearly that that's not the case. All right, yeah, we want to cover a couple other topics that have been going on. So Miguel Cabrera, today the 600th career double. He also has over 500 career home runs, and he got his 3,000th hit, what was it, last week or two weeks two ago? Two weeks ago. So he's one of three players to have 600 doubles, 3,000 hits, 500 homers, joining Hank Aaron and Albert Pujols. A little, little tip of the cap to Miguel Cabrera on a phenomenal career. I know, I know the Tigers are still kind of struggling this year, but I think that will turn around because I actually like their team mm-hmm. and the direction they're going. But tip of the cap to Miguel Cabrera. And another big story this week was Mad Bum getting ejected in the first inning when he was walking off the mound. And they do the whole, like, uh, sticky stuff check on the yep. pitcher, which I'm cool with, whatever. And the umpire ejected because, I mean, I'm sure – uh, Mad Bum said a few choice words. Yep. Uh, one of them probably started with F. 
And uh, the weird thing for me was, I'm not saying as an umpire you should take that kind of verbal abuse if that's what happened. Right. But the umpire was looking him in the eye as he was, quote, unquote, checking his hand. Right. It's like, yo, you're supposed to check the hand and move on. And we see so many times, like, it's just like a quick slap of the hand and, and then we move on. Right. And he was, like, really, like, diving he into was, it. Yeah, like he really was eyeing him up. But he was eyeing him up. It's like you're waiting for him to say something to you, and you yeah. reject him. Now, the umpire has come out since, made a statement, and po- publicly apologized for his actions. Mm-hmm. But it's like, well, I mean, for the Diamondbacks, they, they actually won that game. I know Mad Bum was like, I, I, good job by my teammates for picking me up today. Yeah. I failed them, blah, blah, blah. But it's just like, that's so ridiculous. Yeah, it's bad. I've said this for years when uh, a guy who's not actually playing the game can affect the game that drastically. Like, no one bought a ticket to see you, bro. Yeah, yeah, nobody did. I'm sorry. The only reason why I know umpires' names is because they made the biggest gaffe in the world or they've made biggest gaffes in the world, right? Like, I know Angel Hernandez. I know Joe West. I know Jim Joyce. I know... I at least have, like, respect for Joe West. Jim Joyce actually had a pretty good career, even though he had messed up out... Was it Andres Galarraga? Yeah, Andres Galarraga's perfect game. Yeah. But, I mean, at least he, like, actually was, like, respected. Right, but, like, those are the only... But you're right. You only remember them because of the gaffe. Because of the gaffe, right? Like, I, I know... Um, you know, and, and when you hear the umpires names because the announcer gives them or the, you're like, yeah, I know that guy. But like you, you forget their names in like right it, after the game, as long as there's nothing, you know, big that happens. Uh huh. But when, you know, an umpire makes this big of a move and I, I, I don't even know the umpire's name. I think I, I think he's been the bigs like as an umpire for like 15 years. So right. Comparatively, he's relatively new, um, but he's been in the league yeah. long enough to know to know better. Like it was like look, it looked like he was looking for a fight. Yeah, right. Like, and the way he was eyeing him, it was just like this look of like disdain. And I'm just like, what are you doing, bro? Check his hand and let's move yeah, on. Yeah, check check his hand and move on. Let's yeah. you know ride. Yeah, no, I'm I, I'm now beating a dead horse at this point. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, that's gonna do it for the kind of the headlight news. Let's go ahead and get into this Bleacher MLB feature Bleacher bracket. Features bracket. Yeah. All right? So there are 16 teams. Or, no, oh, sorry, films that <laughs> comprise your team, yeah. right? Um, and we're just going to go ahead and run all 16 of them. Uh, the first matchup in round one was Field of Dreams versus Angels in the Outfield. We already have a, a, a sticking point here between you and me. <laughs> yeah, big big one. I, I mean, I changed it. It's fine. Okay. Uh, the second <laughs> one is The Natural versus For the Love of the Game. Uh-huh. Uh, the Sandlot versus The Perfect Game. Uh, rookie of the year versus the bad news bears. And to be, to clear this up, the original, this is the original bad news bears. Uh, and then you have a league of their own versus the rookie, uh, 42 versus eight men out, mm-hmm. uh, major league versus trouble with a curve. And then bull Durham versus Moneyball. Mm. There are a lot of problems I have with this. And the fact that these brackets aren't done uh, as a one versus 16 situation here. Yeah. Um, yeah. because, we're sixty one. As yeah, as yeah, we're sixty one. Yeah, a phenomenal movie. I mean, who do you kick out though? The perfect game. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's I mean immediately. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Probably worst on this list, if not second worst on this list. 
But we definitely had some, because uh, we both filled out this bracket, mm-hmm. and we had some sticking points. I know you changed a couple, but like the first one, Field of Dreams. Versus Angels, Angels in, the in the Outfield. We both love Angels in the Outfield. I really love Angels in but the Outfield. But Field of Dreams favorite, is my movie. Favorite film Like, just to you know, let the listeners know, Field of Dreams won my bracket because I love that movie. Yes, I, I've talked about it. If you know me, I've talked about the last scene where Kevin Costner's uh, to his dad. Hey, dad, you want to have a catch? That gets me every time. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just a great movie. I know you can debate, like, is it a baseball movie? Blah, blah, blah. It is. It, <laughs> these are actual real players in it. Right. And yeah, is yeah it, no, it's a ba- that's a baseball movie. I'm right. not debating that one. There's one a little bit further down the list. I you know. can debate whether it's a baseball movie or not, as I debated it with a college <laughs> friend of mine. On Facebook. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, the next one, I think we both went with The Natural over yes, for the love of the game. Absolutely. Uh, you know, whatever. Uh, the, <laughs> the the Sandlot clearly beats out The Perfect Game. Uh, the Perfect Game, terrible movie. Yeah, I, I'm not going like to sit there and say it's awful, but it, it wasn't good. Yeah, I didn't like it. Uh, then you have Rookie of the Year versus Bad News Bears. I think I picked Rookie of the Year. Did you pick Bad News Bears? Uh, yes. Okay. Um, I went with A League of Their Own. You went with a Rookie. I did. Uh, you went with Eight Men Out. I went with Forty Two. Yeah, I love Eight Men Out. I'm not sitting there saying that it's a bad movie. I just I know. I, I get it. I get um, it. Major <laughs> League versus Trouble with the Curve. We both picked Major League here. Yeah. And then Bull Durham versus Moneyball. That's this tough. is a problem. This is a problem because yeah. these this right here is a top five matchup. It should not be a first round. This matchup. should not be a first round matchup unless it's the eight nine. But it's not the eight nine matchup because both of these movies are, are phenomenal. They are. And they're 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 first one. Come on now. But we both went Moneyball. Yeah, both want Moneyball, <laughs> but it's it's because Kevin Costner is like he's in he's in I mean, he's, he's in like, like half of these movies. yeah half of them yeah he's in half of them yeah he he's a winner already okay <laughs> so then round two for me was Field of Dreams versus the Naturals I picked that's tough I picked Field of Dreams but it was tight uh, Sandlot versus Rookie of the Year I took Rookie of the Year and this is the reason why Sandlot's not a baseball movie. It's an adventure movie with a baseball twist. I I know what you're saying, but this is what I told CJ. I go, CJ, I understand you say it's not a baseball movie, but it's on this bracket. Which one do you like better? I like the Sandlot better, so that's why I picked the Sandlot. And you can say, oh, it's not a baseball Well, it's on this bracket. Yeah, I get it. Right, get wrong, it. and different it. is on it. I get it. it. It's the same thing as Christmas movie versus Christmas theme movie. Um, I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> Uh, a League of Their Own versus 42 for me. I took A League of Their Own purely because of one one person and one person only, <laughs> Gina Davis. Um, and then Major League versus Moneyball. This is a top two matchup here. Like this is obviously like one and two in my in my heart right I here. I think is Major I went Moneyball. Moneyball, and I went Major League. I went Major League over Moneyball. So my round three was Field of Dream versus Rookie of the Year. I picked Field of Dreams. Yep. League of the Room versus Major League. I picked Major League, and then my final was Major League versus Field of Dreams. I went with Major League. Parker, go ahead. So my winner is Major League, um, the phenomenal movie. My uh, winner was uh, Field of Dreams. Mm-hmm, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, we knew this. Yeah, I. I that's my movie. It is your movie. I think I think my final it was Field of Dreams and it might have been Moneyball, to yeah. be honest. Right. But, well, and that's what it should be. But you're also but we, we talked about this before we got on here. The last scene in Moneyball where it's the song. Oh, you're not, such a loser, Dad? Yeah. We talked about this. Oh, like, it's so bad. It is bad. It's like the prop in Dante's peak. Like it doesn't happen. <laughs> and for you for those listening, we were watching Dante's Peak before we got on here because when I got here uh, your wife Amy was watching it, and I was like, "This is one of those movies that if you're channel surfing and Dante Speak is on, you're gonna watch." It's it. like that Con Air, 
<laughs> Remember the Titans. Yeah. Band of Brothers. It, it, you see them, you stop. You in, it's yeah. an instant stop. Oh, I have to do something around the house. Nope, I'm watching. Nope, this. I'm watching Con Air. I'm watching Nicolas Cage's <laughs> His best, best movie. movie. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Airplane, another one. He's mother. Thanks on this mother plane. Uh, you're watching it. It's a guarantee yeah. every time. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So yeah, but it's literally then it's it's the it's the prop. It's the prop on uh, Dante's. <laughs> you, we were watching this, and you know the 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 grandmother is. I mean, she was burned, and she's probably she's getting ready to pass. And the, the, all CJ says, is, "There's no way that prop would have burned." Well, that's the reason why the grandma's hurt. I, I guess uh, right, we're, it, it, it we're getting fun. off topic now. We are, we are, but, but it's fine. Uh, major, but Moneyball, the end of Moneyball. Like, can you can you not put the part of the song with "You're such a loser, You're such a loser Dad"? And I'm fine with it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And like that that elevates that movie just ever so slightly more. I will say an underrated movie on this bracket, and it's obviously not going to win the first round. But mm-hmm. Trouble with a Curve is underrated. Very underrated. I like well it. done by Justin Timberlake and Clint Eastwood, and you know, yeah, uh, was it Amy Adams? Amy Adams, yep, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, phenomenal movie. It is, but it wasn't gonna win. It no. wasn't gonna win. No, you, no. It, come on now, seriously, it's it, it's against Major League. Yeah, Major League, yeah. It, not just a cult class. He's just a classic. It is a classic. If if you you don't even have to be a baseball fan and you love Major League. Yeah, it's funny. It's phenomenal. Yeah, Wesley Snipes, Charlie Sheen. Yeah, I, you can't go wrong here. Yeah, and with Tom Tom Berenger, right? Tom Tom Berenger, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, as as Jake Taylor, yeah, and the, uh, the beat up catcher, right? Uh, Corbin Burnson playing Roger Dorn, yeah. I, you know, it, it's hilarious. It's it's phenomenal. You can't go. But wrong. I will say, like, and we had this long discussion, majorly. I mean, you know, Field of Dreams and uh, Angels in the Outfield. Angels in the Outfield is underrated. Like, very underrated. That's proper. That's not properly. You have matched you up. have you have a Tony Danza as the veteran Mel yeah, Clark. The veteran Mel Clark. Daddy Glover, yeah, and then, uh, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as a kid, as a kid, yeah, uh, Chris, uh, Christopher Lloyd, right, yeah, Playing Al, yeah. Uh, you can't go. It's so good. It it's really so is. Good. I enjoy it. We need to watch it. Absolutely, <laughs> it's a phenomenal movie. Yeah, and you can't go wrong. I mean, you got a, a, a young Neil McDonough playing a dumb pitcher, and, and the veteran Mel Clark, and the veteran Mel Clark. <laughs> God, J.O. Sanders, what are you doing to me? Yeah. All right. Well, so if, if go ahead and put up uh, your uh, MLB Bleacher Features bracket. All you have to do is uh, just type into the Googles, the Googles. Uh, MLB Bleacher Features bracket. Vote now, and like it'll already pop up, and you can put in your pick of the sixteen. Put your bracket in. The big reason to do the bracket is you submit the bracket. You have the perfect bracket. Like every single one, like a majority wins, right, right. or something like that. And a majority picks. That that bracket, yeah, uh, and the person that is the most right according to the majority of picks and things and doohickeys, yeah, tickets uh, to the All Star game, tickets to the All Star game, yeah. Which who doesn't want to go see the Midsummer Classic? And who doesn't want to go to Dodger Stadium? Absolutely, I'm 100 percent in on LA as far as the Dodger Stadium. Maybe not yeah. everything else of LA, but right. as far as Dodger <laughs> Stadium, I'm in. Absolutely. Uh, so definitely do that. Also, go ahead and put your picks out on the Twitters and the Instagrams. Yeah. Hit us up at the Sports GPS. At the Sports GPS on anywhere that you get your social media. Yes, sir. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it here for season three, episode six. Uh, for all of us here at the Sports GPS, Parker White, CJ Holly, thanks for stopping by. Oh, thank you.